So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are becoming this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I'm sorry, I messed that up. You guys did good, though. Um, I want you to take now and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at verse uh, 16. If you have your Bible, you can use that. Um, if you also, uh, if you have the Bible app, I do put our notes on there, and so you can follow along. I've got all my points and all my references, and I've even got a couple pictures on there this week that you might want to see. I'm going to do some history, but 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. Uh, you don't need to read this out loud. All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. Next. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do we have any servants of God in the house tonight, today? Hallelujah. I am a servant of God. And so we welcome the Lord to teach us and rebuke us and correct us and to train us and to equip us so that we can do all that he desires us to do. Amen. Let's pray and let's invite Holy Spirit to come be a part of this time as we open his word. Lord, we just ask you right now, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to breathe on this word. Lord, I'm asking that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, mighty God. You would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our heart and mind to perceive what your spirit is speaking. Lord, I commit this time and this service to you. And even right now, I bind the enemy. He would seek to distract or distort or confuse the word as it come forward mighty God and I'm asking that there would be a great liberty in preaching your word today let us receive all that you desire for us today in the mighty powerful name of Jesus and everybody say amen, amen. you may be seated got a good word for you today I hope I got a good word for you every week I, I don't you know ever come half prepared or anything like that. In fact, I think I might have come too prepared this morning. But uh, uh, what I did is last Sunday, I began a series called First Steps. Everybody say First Steps. And what I want to deal with really is, uh, this is a book. We've got a table that's called Next Steps. And when somebody commits their life to the Lord, we always encourage them, go to the Next Step table. And we're going to show you kind of what the next steps are that you can take with Jesus. How do you pray? How do you get in the Word? How do you, you know, what do we believe as a church? Well, the reason I wrote this book is I want to be able to give them something written from this house that, that they know exactly what we believe. Because how many understand God desires, we just read the verse out of Ephesians chapter 2, God desires to build us together so that we, as we operate as one, we can be the temple of the Lord where God lives by his spirit. How many of you understand? You've got a part to play in that. Every one of these life groups that we highlighted has a part to play in that. Our kids' ministry, uh, our ethnic ministries that meet throughout the uh, all day Sunday and throughout the week. We've all got a part to play in this. And unless we do our part, the body of Christ will not be all that the Lord desires it to be. 
Now, what's very interesting is I know that we all come from different backgrounds, don't we? Uh, I asked the question last week, and I, I like to do the survey again. How many of you grew up Assembly of God? I want to see your hand, okay? Uh, about a dozen of us. We grew up Assembly of God. Uh, our church actually is within the denomination of the Assembly of God. But if you know Dr. Morocco, King's Cathedral and Chapel, we've kind of built our own world within that. We've got some unique things, but we are from the Assembly of God. Now, how many of you, uh, you went to a four-square or maybe a spirit-filled non-denominational, you were a part of some other uh, denomination that was spirit-filled in nature, but, you know, you didn't get freaked out when people pray in tongues and you're used to people prophesying. Okay, that's a, that's a number of us. Wonderful. How many of you, uh, you grew up Baptist? Do we have any Baptists in here? That's right. I, oh, I'm not going to say. I was going to make a mean joke. Um, some, I was going to say, I thought I sensed a self-righteous spirit, but uh, I grew up Baptist. That's the only reason I would say that. So uh, uh, praise God, I'm still working through that. Hallelujah. Uh, so how many of you grew up Lutheran? Okay, one Lutheran. Praise God. We had a couple in our first grade. Anybody grow up Methodist? Uh, one Methodist, two Methodists, half Methodist. What does that mean? You just, you're backsliding out of the Methodist church. Okay. Um, uh, how many of you, grew, anybody grew up Catholic? Oh, yeah, we had a lot in our first service. I was actually baptized. I was baptized Catholic. I was raised Baptist. Then I got in, involved with a four-square church. Uh, I am a religious mutt. They were all Christ-centered, but I'm a religious mutt. And so, uh, but I, most, I spent most of my time as a heathen growing up. So how many of you came out of the, the, the heathen background, Okay. Yeah, that's most of us. Okay, praise the Lord. So my question is, you know, you look at this, and we all come from different backgrounds. And if, if you ask somebody who came from the Baptist or the Lutheran background, they would tell you certain things that they believe about baptism that would differ from our Baptist or most of our spirit-filled brothers. If we were to ask what, what our view of eschatology is, you know, eschatology is a fancy word for end times. What do we believe about the rapture? What do we believe about uh, that seven-year tribulation? Where do we fall in that? You know, we all come from different things. And last week I talked about the fact that we're going to major on a couple things. And I'm just going to tell you, what I talked about last week, if you do not have the belief that Jesus Christ is the only means by which man can be saved, you're going to struggle in this church, I'm just going to tell you. Because every single Sunday, I am going to give a call that Jesus is the only way you can be saved. Jesus is the only means by which our sins can be forgiven. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. And I believe that. I believe. Do you believe that? If you don't, we're going to have a time to get on board with that by the end of the service. We do every week. Now, if you don't believe in healing, I'm just telling you, you might struggle in this church. Because this is what's going to happen. You're going to get sick. And then someone's going to come pray for you. And you're going to get supernaturally healed. And you're going to get upset because you're like, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this. Uh, and so, but we believe in the active, ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe that, that, that people can prophesy and we can speak with other tongues, hallelujah. And we, we believe in the casting out of devils and we do. There's other things, listen, that I don't necessarily want to major on. I mention end times. And I actually hope that there's some different viewpoints when it comes to the rapture. And this is the reason why. 
Some of you may be of a pre-tribulation disposition, right? I believe that Jesus is going to come and he's going to take the church before the seven-year tribulation leading to the end of what we know as the earth on, on, on this time. Uh, I believe that Jesus will take the church at that time, and, and that's wonderful. But I, I also hope that we've got some post-tribulation people in our church, and this is the reason why. When all of our pre-tribulation people go in the rapture, all of our post-tribulation believers can keep the church going after we go. Right? And so uh, some of you got that. That's okay. We believe different things. There's some things that I think are important for us to major on, and, uh, and there's other things that aren't worth us dividing over. A rapture would be one of those. I mentioned even baptism. I have got beliefs about baptism. We're going to have a wonderful baptism. And listen, if you're getting baptized, you're going all the way under, friend. If you're going to be baptized in our church, you're going all the way under. But I know there's people who love the Lord. Steve Hill told me about a, a missionary friend of his uh, in Ethiopia. Water shortage, drought, no water. They would baptize people with sand. They'd literally dump sand over their heads. Now, how does that work? Do you think God accepts that? I mean, I guess we'll find out. I would like to think, I'd like to think he, he might. He probably does. Uh, but my point is, we're not going to divide over it. I'm not going to call that church in Ethiopia that has no access to water a group of heathens because they don't get baptized the way that I do. Are you guys hearing me today? So, so we're going to major on some major things. Do you believe in Jesus? Great. Uh, do you believe in the word of God? Hallelujah. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Oh, we're going to be good friends. Praise God. Today I want to talk about that, that, that second one that I mentioned. I want to talk about the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. This is very important. We read the verse, 2 Timothy, all scripture. Everybody say all scripture. All scripture is God-breathed. That literally means that, that, that it is God-inspired. It's not just the thoughts of the Apostle Paul. It's not just the ideas of Matthew who observed the ministry of Jesus or, or the poetic writings of David and the Psalms. Uh, no, these are words that the Lord intended for us to receive. These are, these are straight from heaven into this text and into our hearts. It is God-breathed. Do you know the Bible is living and active? Do you know that the, the, the Bible is alive? I mean, this will trip you out, man, but, but if, you're, if you're taking notes, I, I want you to write this down. I've got three points for us today. I only got through two in the first service. Maybe I'll get through it all today. I want you to know, first of all, that God is speaking through Scripture. God is speaking through Scripture. And I say that in the present tense. You might even write in parentheses, God is speaking now through the Scripture. You'll notice that even Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, remember when he was being tempted by, uh, by Satan in the wilderness? Uh, Jesus, turn these stones into bread. You look hungry. He was in the middle of a fast. And Jesus responds to him, man shall not live by bread alone, but what? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I actually skipped a very important phrase at the beginning. It is written. It is written. Jesus is quoting scripture. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You'll notice that Jesus doesn't say every word that has proceeded from the mouth of God. 
He doesn't use a past tense application, and even if you dig into the original language, it is a now. It is a present tense, and you know that it's effective because Jesus uses the word to combat the devil, and he prevails using the word of God. And so we, we believe that the word is living. We believe that it's alive. I mean, have you ever read the Bible? And you're going through And it's a passage that you've read many, many times over. But all of a sudden, you see a verse that, man, did that just get there? Like, I I didn't see that the last time I read it. It just jumps off the page and begins to minister. How many of you experience that? It happens all the time. I was reading John 17 last night, the, the moment that he's praying for his disciples and those who will one day come, including us. And he's praying, and boy, I just read this passage, and I just like... I mean, I got, I mean, I about fell out of my bed when I was reading it. I'm glad I didn't, but my wife was next to me, and, uh, and she was already sleeping. I was reading my Bible, and I just, this revelation just hits my heart, and it was just like, I mean, I wanted to weep. God just began to stir my heart with this idea that, that we can be in you, and you can be in us, and it's like, I've read that thing probably hundreds of times. But there was life on it when I read it last night. The Lord was inspiring it, and it spoke to my heart in such a powerful way. I I really, I've got a couple points for you, but I really have one idea that I want you to grab a hold of today. And it's simply this. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, read your Bible. Look at your other neighbor and say, read your Bible. It's very important, friend. We have the Word of God, and it is alive, and He wants to speak to you a word for right now. Now, there was a study that was done from the Center for Bible Engagement. They pulled 40,000 Americans, and this is what they found. For individuals that engage in personal Bible reading four times a week, not even daily reading, but four times a week they read something out of the Word, they found that they were 74% less likely to gamble, They were 61% less likely to view pornography. They were 57% less likely to drink. 68% less likely to have sex outside of marriage. 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. That's a big deal. We know that loneliness is a major issue in this day. You know, people have been locked up in home for two years, haven't left their house. Loneliness is a big deal. Did you know that people feel comforted when they read the Word of God? It's amazing. Listen, this isn't a typo. If you're looking at the notes that I put online here, 228% more likely to share their faith with others. People who engage the Word of God read at least four times a week. 228% more likely to share their faith with somebody. Uh, I I asked the question because we would travel and do evangelistic training often. And the number one reason that I feel like most people did not share their faith is they simply felt like they weren't equipped to do it. They just simply didn't. I don't know what I would say. I don't know. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. There's going to be things that get in your heart. It is alive, and God wants to minister it to you, and he wants to minister it through you. Amen? So we're going to read our Bible. Now, what I want to encourage you, just a a couple simple ideas. When you read your Bible, invite Holy Spirit to come be a part of your Bible reading. We're going to pray that Holy Spirit fills us all. 
and anoints us all, that he would come and be the helper and the teacher that Jesus said he would. We're going to do that at the end of the service. But I also encourage you, this was a cool idea. Um, I do this anyway, but I, I heard Lisa Bevere kind of put it in a way that I just thought was, was really awesome. She said, when I read my Bible, I try and put myself in the actual story. And the example that she gave that I thought was just great is she's like, when Jesus was walking on the water, Peter gets out in the boat. She's like, I like to pretend like I was one of the disciples standing there in the boat. And what would have been, what it have been like to see Jesus coming across the water and, and watching Peter get out of the boat and the waves. And you just picture it. I tell you, you'll get insight into the Bible. You'll get insight into Scripture that will absolutely take you to a whole nother level. So put yourself in the story. Amen? I'm trying to help you. All I want to do is whet your appetite for getting in the Bible today. That's, that's my desire. So I know there's some smart people that are in the room right now. And you might be wondering, well, Pastor Jacob, you say that Scripture will speak to us. You know where to read the Scriptures. Well, what is Scripture? Because you'll notice that, for example, if, if Jesus quotes something like, it is ripped written or he says the scriptures say uh, I just want to remind you the apostle Paul had not yet written his books of the Bible uh, Peter in that I mean he was still in training wasn't even a believer in Jesus yet the New Testament as a whole did not exist so when most of these teachers in the New Testament that we read about Paul or Peter Jesus when they say the scriptures say or it is written they're talking about the Old Testament so why do we believe that the New Testament carries value and it carries merit today? Well, one thing that I thought was very interesting, and I actually saw this, uh, um, there's a study you can do of times in the New Testament where New Testament writers call New Testament verses Scripture. Did you track with me on that one? There are a number of times, let me just give you two examples. In 2 Peter 3.16, Peter quotes Paul in one of his teachings and says, that is Scripture. As the Scriptures say, and he's quoting the Apostle Paul. Very interesting. There's a, an, another instance where Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and verse 18, Paul quotes the Gospel of Luke. And he's actually, a teaching of Jesus is more blessed to give than it is to receive. He quotes this and he calls it scripture. So it's very interesting as you go through church history, we see that over time, the early church and even the disciples, the apostles that we read about in the New Testament, they began to receive the writings of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the writings of Paul, the writings of Peter, and, and on and on, the writings of John. They began to accept these as holy and inspired scripture. So the second thing I want you to know, we as a church, we believe that God breathed scripture is found within the 66 books of the Old and the New Testament. That's what we believe, our inspired word of God. Uh, if you have a book of Mormon, I do not believe that that's inspired. Well, actually, maybe I do. I, it might be demonically inspired, so you need to get rid of that. You with me today, church? Uh, I, you know, somebody asked me recently, they got a Bible, and it has the apocryphal books in it. Uh, in between uh, Malachi and Matthew, that 400-year period of time, there were a number of books that were written that they called the Apocrypha. Well, what do we do with that? 
I believe that they might be beneficial. They have historic value, but I would not classify them as God-breathed inspired scripture. It's fine to read. In fact, you know, I talk about Maccabees, and it is one of the most incredible things. How is it 1117 already? Oh, man. This is one of my favorite things to talk about, and I've run out of all my time. Let me, let me just tell you something. Okay, my wife just gave me 10 more minutes. Okay, praise God. <laughs> so let me, just, let me just say this. I want you to understand how valuable this word is that we have. There was a time, if you look through church history, in fact, did you know that, that the reason historians call it the Dark Ages, you know, you think about knights in armor and all this kind of thing, you know the reason that they call it the Dark Ages was because the light of the world was being suppressed. And the primary way the light of the world was being suppressed was scriptures were not allowed to be read in the native language of the people. There were individuals, you'll see as the Catholic church uh, uh, began to grow, and, you know, and there was a time where the Catholics, and there were many wonderful saints uh, uh, that the Lord used mightily, but over time, greed really began to come into the church. And what began to happen is they instituted this belief that they call indulgences. Has anybody ever heard of indulgences before? It's a very fascinating idea. You see, there was a doctrine that, that preached that there's not only heaven and hell, but there was also this intermediate place for people that weren't so bad to go to hell, but they weren't good enough for heaven. They would go to purgatory. Now, we don't believe in this. I don't believe in this. Don't you dare count on getting to purgatory if you're not right with Jesus. Uh, two options, heaven, hell. Got it? But these guys were preaching purgatory, and there was this idea like, boy, you know, uh, there was a guy named Tersel. And Terzel was a seller of indulgences. Now, this guy, I actually put a picture of him in your Bible app if you want to look at that. Uh, he's got a nice hairstyle. And this guy, he was a salesman. He was an inquisitor. And he would come into areas, and his sales pitch would be something like this. He would come in and say, oh, Ryan, you just had a death in your family. I'm so sorry. Uncle Billy... I know that he wasn't really a good man, was he? No. Uh, but he wasn't bad enough for hell probably, right? So if you had to make a guess, do you think Uncle Billy's in heaven or hell? Or he, He's probably in purgatory, isn't he? Yeah, probably in purgatory. So let me just, I've got a special deal for you. If you'll buy this indulgence, then what will happen is we'll pray some prayers on your behalf, and we can shorten the amount of time for your, for your Uncle Billy, and we can get him up into heaven more quickly. Does that sound like a good deal to you? Wow, so let's do it, man. And so Terzel would come in, and he would literally begin to sell what they call indulgences, and it would be on this. He would, he would pull on people's hearts and be like, yeah, they probably didn't make it to heaven, but we can get them out of judgment faster. We can get them up into It's a crook. The problem was, People did not have the Bible in their own language. So you'd have a priest stand up and say, well, this is how it works. Nobody has any point of reference, so they just believe that what the pastor's telling them must be honest. This is how this thing began to explode. And so Terzel was going around, and he was, he was selling these indulgences, and boy, it was just it was horrible. Well, there was a man of God by the name of Martin Luther. Ever heard of Martin Luther? Martin Luther 
was a monk. He was a priest. And he knew the scriptures. And as he begins to go around, he came up in this belief that, that had uh, purgatory and indulgences. But as he began to search the scripture, what he realized is, hey, where's this verse about indulgences? I'm not seeing this anywhere. And he realized that what was going on was robbery, was sin. It's what inspired him. That was the primary thing that inspired him to write his 95 thesis, or, or 95, not thesis, 95, somebody help me out here. Is it thesis? Okay, yeah, 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 thank you. So uh, he takes that, he tacks it to the Wittenberg door, and, uh, and this, was his, uh, this was his stance, right? This was his declaration. This is wrong. And it began what we now know today as the Protestant Reformation. We just celebrated 500 years of that event passing by just a couple years ago. And uh, Martin Luther, so what he began to do is his life was being threatened by individuals going out, literally wanting to kill him because of his statements, cutting down indulgences. But what Martin Luther did is he translated the Bible into German. And for the first time, German believers had access to the Bible, to the Holy Scriptures themselves. And it sparked a revival. People began to get the word, and it sparked something just so marvelous. Uh, uh, it was an, an incredible thing. And then you have other individuals who came along behind them. Uh, many of you have... Many of you probably heard of a guy by the name of John Wycliffe. Anybody ever heard of John Wycliffe? Uh, today, there's a whole organization, Wycliffe Bible Translators, and these guys are attempting to translate the Bible into many languages. Why? Wycliffe was an individual who began to translate the Bible into English. And he never completed the project, but he got the word out into many individuals. Then comes along another individual by the name of William Tyndale. Everybody say William Tyndale. I want you to remember this name because it's very important. William Tyndale was the first one to complete the New Testament translated into English. The fact that you and I have a Bible that we can read in our language, that we can understand today, that we can take these precious words of God that is living and active and willing to minister to us, because somebody like William Tyndale was willing to do that for us. Now, what happened to Tyndale, you'll see if you're looking in your notes there, I actually put another picture of Tyndale, and Tyndale was because of his work of Bible translating, was tied to a stake, he was strangled, and he was burned alive. Condemned for heresy. I actually wrote in the front page of my Bible, I write it in every physical Bible that I have, the name, William Tyndale, 1495 to 1536 burned alive for heresy. The fact that I have this Bible, which I love, this Bible that feeds me, this Bible that inspires me, this Bible that leads me and guides me every day of my life, there were people, there were men and women of God who shed their blood and laid down their lives so that you and I could have five Bibles in our house that we never read. I want you to think about this. Again, the point of my message today is, Read your Bible. Never forget, I'm going to close with this story. Worship team, would you come? I'm coming in for a landing. Never forget, 
I've shared this story a time or two before. A couple years ago, I was in Egypt. Egypt is about 95% Muslim. And we went and had a wonderful time of ministry there, got to preach the gospel and minister many underground churches. I never forget getting off of the bus there in Cairo, walking out of the airport, and the call to prayer was going on. I don't know if you've ever been in anywhere in the Middle East, if you've heard, but in these predominantly Muslim nations, some places three, other times five or seven times a day, they will sound the call to prayer, and they encourage everybody in the city to stop and to pray. Well, I walk out of the airport, us and the team, about 25, 30 of us, call to prayer is going on, and they say, oh, there's our bus over there, and we walk. The call to prayer is going on, and our bus driver is kneeling on a mat, facing Mecca, praying to Allah. I'm like, this is our bus driver? Praise God. I didn't know what to expect. That was the first time I grew a beard, actually. I wanted to fit in with the people, right? And so uh, we go, and we're around these guys, and we spend our entire week ministering. We're going to different churches, and, and our Muslim bus driver is driving us around everywhere. And it's a wonderful time. We witness, we're encouraging, we're serving. About halfway through our trip, he starts kind of sneaking his way into our services. He'd come in and he'd just watch. There was translating going on. He would hear the word and the gospel, but as far as we knew, he was just stone cold. You understand? And most of Islam, conversion incurs the death penalty. If he were to renounce his faith and receive Jesus Christ, it would most likely cost him his life. And so we're here, and I'll never forget, it was one of the last services that we had. I was preaching in a church service. And that morning, he had snuck in. He came in the back. The sanctuary is only about as big as our sanctuary is. And... As I was preaching, I was just about to move into our prayer time at the end of the service, and a woman in the church began to manifest demons. That's not unusual. We've seen that kind of stuff overseas and in the U.S. both. She began to manifest demonic power, and it was loud, and it was graphic, and it was, I mean, the whole church, that's all they were paying attention to. And she literally, it was so dramatic, she literally began blood coming from her eyes. The devil just intimidating trying to we took authority over this thing myself and my missionary friend took authority over that and we watched that woman of God miraculously completely set free to see the transformation that happened in her from the moment that she manifested demons to the moment that she was set free I'm telling you it was a night and day different she looked like a different person I remember as we were praying and I, and I stand up after the time of ministry, I, I look back and I see our Muslim friend in the back of the room. We walk out of the service that day. We get back on the bus. But before we leave, he asks us and tells us, he says, my daughter, she's at home and names the place where she lives. She's terminally ill. We've taken her to doctor's. We've tried praying. I, I went, I gave an offering. I did this to Allah, and my daughter is still sick. But I saw the power of your Jesus set that woman free. And I was wondering, 
Would you be willing to pray one of your prayers to Jesus for my daughter? We said, of course. Of course we'll pray. So we did. We prayed for him. He wept. We wept. And I'll never forget, he asked us, as soon as we were finished with the prayer, he says, I, can I ask you one more thing? He said, would it be okay? Do you have one of those Bibles with the scriptures about Jesus? Could I get one of those? And we went and we got him a Bible. And I'm telling you, church, I'll never forget the picture as long as I live. The moment we handed him the Bible, he took that. He hugged his Bible. He kissed his Bible and he held it up and he began to thank Jesus for the opportunity to receive the Holy Scriptures in his own language. I tell you, it stirred me. I weep every time that I think about it. But it has convicted me to the core. You see these videos of missionaries dropping a box of Bible off to the underground church in China and they're going after that thing like it's the last piece of bread on the earth. I don't know if you've ever seen these things. You know, They might end up with one page of scripture, but if that's all they have, they're going to memorize it. Oh, what a gift. I don't say this to, to condemn us or, or make us feel bad. We are highly privileged. We've got Bible translations and commentators and guys, we're blessed. The Apostle Paul would be going crazy if he had the Bible app that we have. I'm telling you. What's the point of my message today? Will you do it? Will you do it? All right, I want you to stand. Last verse I'll share. The Bible says that Jesus said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance things that I have said to you. You know, Holy Spirit desires to be a teacher, an instructor, and a guide. This is why I love, and I told you we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. Because I want that helper. I want that. I want the Holy Spirit in your life guiding you and teaching you and instructing you in the Word of God. What a joy. What a blessing. What a privilege. Come on, can we just lift up our voice right now and just begin to ask Holy Spirit. Invite the Helper to come. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you right now. If you've never been filled, I want you to ask Him to fill you. If you've not felt the touch of God or the presence of God in your life for some time, I want you to ask Him, come. Fill me, surround me, baptize me afresh with your spirit and fire. Oh, Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. And we ask you, Lord, to fill us, to anoint us, and to use us for your glory, for your namesake, almighty God. Oh, come on, if you have the liberty, I want you to pray with your spirit. Sing with your spirit. Pray with your understanding. Sing with your understanding. Come on, just lift up your voice right now. We invite you, Lord. We invite you, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask you. We ask you, come. Fill us in this place. Release your anointing over our lives. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Oh, we invite you. Oh, we need you. We need you to help us. We need you to direct us. We need your presence in our life. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come on. Come on. Just ask him. Oh, he's good. And a good father gives good gifts to his children. He will do not deny the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Oh, come on. Come on, let's sing a chorus. Come on, let's worship. Just lift your hands all across this room. Jesus, I ask you right now, you spoke over your disciples and you said in the upper room, you breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm asking that you would breathe upon us today, that you would release your Holy Spirit, that even as a dove, we know your spirit's not literally a dove, but even as a dove, that you would rest upon our lives. That literally as we read the scripture, as we pray, as we seek you, Holy Spirit, would you whisper in our ear? Would you speak to us and teach us, guide us, and direct us? Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more thing very important to do before we end our time together. I never assume in a meeting like this that everybody who's here today has surrendered their life to Jesus. I know every week, every week I have the privilege of leading people to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's one of the great privileges of my life. It's the, it's the greatest joy I have as a minister is introducing people to Jesus. Maybe you're here today You've never committed your life to the Lord. You've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. You're not confident that if today were the day you were to meet Him, that you would be received into heaven. Listen, 
Your relatives can't pay you out of heaven or they can't pay you out of hell. They can't pay you out of purgatory. Today's the day of salvation. We make a choice. We're going to live our lives for Jesus. I want to give us the opportunity to do that today. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I once walked closely with the Lord, but uh, I've drifted away. I'm not where I should be with him. I've got sin in my life, but today I want to get it right. And if that's you, I'd like to include you in the prayer. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I want you to include me in your prayer. I need forgiveness. And I want to know that I'm forgiven before I leave here today. If that be you, would you just slip up your hand so I know exactly who I'm praying for? Yeah, I see you there. I see you there. I see you. 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 Yes. Yes. Are there others? Are there others? Yes, I see you in the back. Are there others? I see you there. Yes, I see you in the middle there. Yes. Are there others? I see you right up front. I see you there. Hallelujah. 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 Probably 20 hands went up. Almighty God. Come on, can we all just can we all just lift our hands as a sign of surrender? The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Come on, I want to help you with those words right now. Pray right out loud. Dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me by your blood. Wash away my sin and make me brand new. I ask you to be my Savior. Be my Lord and be my very best friend. I commit myself to you. I believe you came to this earth. You lived a sinless life. You died on a cross for my sin. You rose from the dead. And one day you're coming back. I'm going to be ready because I've received your forgiveness. I've received your new life. Help me to live a life that honors you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and speak to me every day of my life, especially through the Bible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, listen, um, I'm going to speak a blessing over you, but I just want to remind you, if you, uh, if you were one of those who raised your hand indicating, yeah, this prayer is for me, stop by that next step table and you make sure you connect with one of our, our ministers, one of our leaders, and they'd love to pray personally with you, get to know you. Uh, also make sure you check out those life groups. All of our leaders are going to be out in the hallway, so you make sure you stop by and you connect with those guys. And... Uh, I think that's it. Boy, I had some good stuff here. Oh, man, I had a whole thing on translations and what Bible we should use. and But that's okay. 
another time, another time. Would you lift your hands and let me speak a blessing over you right now? Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you are tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait on the Lord, obey his word and seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his light upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday.